Welcome back to the 43rd episode of the Hex Drinkers podcast. This is probably the first time we've done a real intro in about two months. Crazy how that happens. But uh, yeah, we're the Hex Drinkers. We are a longtime playgroup during the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. I'm Jules. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Eric. Hello. Oak. Hello. And Chev. Yep. And uh, I lied because we're not here to level up your, your game or ours today. We're here to downgrade your game. We might objectively be killing brain cells with this podcast, but it's going to be a great time. We're still celebrating Chev's birthday. We're still drinking beers, and we're here to get heated and argue about uh, Commander, the thing that we do best. So recently, there was a banning in Magic the Gathering, and you're like, what a shock. We never have those. But actually, I'm not talking about Standard. I'm talking about Commander. Everyone's ooh, favorite Elder ooh. Dragon Highlander format. Yeah, I know. What the hell? They think they can just ban cards in our format? Exactly. Ridiculous. Moreover, they think they can unban cards in our format? Eric, why, why don't you tell us what they ban and what they an- unban, and then we'll get to the, our potentially most contentious topic to date. Sure thing. Uh, so they banned Golos. Uh, the Commander Rules Committee, which uh, I believe their decisions are informed by a team from people throughout the Magic community, as well as the original playgroup that started Elder Dragon Highlander. The Rules Committee made the executive decision to ban Golos Tireless Pilgrim and unban Worldfire. Let's start with Golos. They made the pretty correct point that Golos is just a five-color good stuff commander. He doesn't really have an identity of his own. He doesn't really drive you in a direction. Even though you can build a deck that defines him as a big mana uh, sort of like heavy resource intensive commander where you get to play a lot of high cost spells and you get to really commit to the late game. You can also just play him as like a mid range five color good stuff. You can play him in five color combo. You can play him in five color control. You can do whatever you want with him. And that is inherently their view of why he is a problem. Any of you who are longtime listeners of the pod will know that uh, my Jota, uh, Archer, or, what, I, I I don't even remember his title anymore because yeah. Joda something something Joda something Archmage, uh. But anyway, uh, we unmade him the commander and made Golos the commander because he was just better, and that was unfortunately the case for a lot of five color decks. Was that Golos is just better? So, uh, they decided to leave Mangara as the as the second best five color good stuff commander because he's not quite as just good. Oh, do you mean, um, sorry, Kenrith. Kenrith? Kenrith. Kenrith. <laughs> He's pretty good, too, I, in one color. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand why you say that. They're both white, even though Mangara's actually black, but he has a white color identity. <laughs> uh, my, my apologies. I attempted to conjure up that card out of my brain, and I was like, white uh, white card with a white dude sitting in a chair? Or, not white dude, <laughs> I think Mangara is actually black. But anyway, all of this should hopefully be cut. Hello, <laughs> Uh, but anyway (laughs) the joys Um, of editing anyway they decided to leave kenrith the returned king as the second best five color good stuff commander another five mana five five sort of does a bunch of different things uh because he's not quite as ubiquitous and not quite as uh just good as golos the unbanning of worldfire i find much more interesting uh worldfire very specifically uh, they unbanned because they said it's not as problematic as it originally was. Uh, and so because Commander is a format where 
quote, they would like to foster an environment where eight and nine mana spells are viable and likely to show up. They want to bring this eight or nine mana spell back into the game. Uh, for those who don't know uh, Worldfire, nine mana card, exile all permanents, exile all cards from hand, all hands and, and graveyards. Each player's life total becomes one. Um, so it is essentially just everyone has one health, everyone has no resources, go. Uh, and it is a sorcery. So you cannot like sneak it onto the stack or anything without some serious doing. Or, you know, if you're playing blue-red and you just play cards that give things flash, but whatever. The point is, they felt that this card would not be problematic. However, they did feel that Biorhythm and Coalition Victory were still problematic, despite filling out that sort of 8-9 mana power fantasy of these big endgame cards. That is a summary of their ban, and also where I would like to begin to take issue with them, unless anyone <laughs> else has anything that they want to say. No, no, let's hear the Eric rant. <laughs> Namely, I think it is ignorant to assume that it is harder to turn Worldfire into a kill-the-table-win-the-game card than it is to turn Coalition Victory on and cast it. In order to resolve Coalition Victory, you need to have creatures in play, you need to have lands that can be destroyed, and then cast an 8-mana spell. Biorhythm is an effect that already is allowed in the format, it's just on a body. And so that also fills out the condition of, you know, if you can just remove a creature, it's fair play. Worldfire can be done as a win-the-game condition entirely on the stack. So there was um, there was some conversation on Twitter about why Coalition Victory wasn't. And I believe it was that anything that's currently available has more steps involved or more pieces that can be interacted with. Like Worldfire on its own doesn't end the game. But Coalition Victory does. And that, that was the main reason. What, like it or not, well, Coalition Victory, you play it, you win. Worldfire doesn't technically end the game. Which I believe was part of the reasoning for it. Like, you need another piece. Whereas with Coalition Victory, yeah, technically you need other pieces. But they're already on the board. So the win state itself is essentially one card. If their argument is that anything where you can essentially win the game with one card should be banned, they need to ban a lot more cards. You gotta ban Bolt. You know, your opponent got three life, you just, you know, you, I mean, you essentially got the win right in your hand right there. One mana, right, too. well, that might be a, <laughs> that might be a little bit <laughs> of hyperbole right there, but, uh... <laughs> Yes, but still, like... You get three shock lines and an Ur-Dragon and Coalition Victory, and you're done. True, for sure. I understand. There's definitely the idea of Coalition Victory being, if Coalition Victory basically said, you know, one of each basic land as opposed to just controlling all five types or five creatures, I think that'd be very different. But the way it can be kind of like schemed, I believe is what causes this card to still be banned. I'm well aware of that, but I'm, I mostly just want to start to draw comparisons between it and other win the game cards. Because if their problem is that it is a one card win the game condition, in my opinion, that's inherently ridiculous. There are other cards where you don't have to pass the turn to win the game, you can resolve all the surrounding effects at instant speed, even if it involves other cards. It's ridiculous to say that you never had a chance to respond if I played a five-mana Chromanticore, three shock lands, and then an eight-mana sorcery, and you're like, well, there was nothing I could do. 
that's entirely your fault. I don't like to say, like, your deck is bad or you're doing anything wrong, but if you just stare at your opponent as they set up a 13-mana total play, and then you have no creature removal, you have no instant or sorcery interaction... Hell, run a Platinum Angel if this is becoming a problem at your table. I'd like to step in for a moment. I think I think before we string out all these conversations to the logical end, I think I think we should talk a little bit more about something that's a bit more uh, you know, crucial to the problem at all, and that's what we sort of feel the philosophy is for the ban list, for what should be banned, etc. And probably also contrast that with what seems to be a lack of consistency from the from the RC. Um, I, th- I think by establishing what we feel and maybe uh, at least a good chunk of Magic players feel um, is cause for banning, uh, we can kind of get down to something more concrete than just saying... Coalition victory co- should be unbanned. Co- coalition, yes. Which, which I agree with. I think it should be unbanned. Me too. Um, and I think, Eric, you actually disagree. I think that you sh- think that it plus a bunch of other cards should be banned, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering our conversation from many moons ago. But let's let's first talk about philosophy or lack thereof philosophy of what needs to be banned. All right. I, you know me. I like to make my categories. I like to say each card, I think, under my – that should be banned should fall into one of these four categories. So here we are uh, once again <laughs> with the categories. In EDH, there are a number of extra affordances you get. Uh, for example, 40 life. Uh, you have multiple opponents. Uh, and not, not just two opponents, you have three. Um, and there, there's a lot of things like that. Each card in your deck is has to be an individual type, or in, 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 uh, separate from the rest. Uh, not the same kind, except for basics, obviously. So, um... It wasn't all. EDH hasn't always been around. Uh, it was not conceived at Magic's start, and there are a lot of cards that I feel can take uh, advantage of these a little bit too much. Uh, a perfect example of this: Silvala Stampede. I not exa- not exactly a card that was around before EDH, but uh, I, I I think it just provides a little bit too much value for uh, what uh, for what what it costs essentially, uh, which is one card and six mana. Uh, same with perhaps an even more egregious example because it was printed more recently and it costs way less. But Dockside Extortionist, um, the amount of enchantments and artifacts on the battlefield uh, at any given time is going to be potentially double what it would be uh, in just a normal one-on-one game of Magic. Uh, and this sort of overlaps into my second category, where uh, cards that sort of provide, like, a disproportionate advantage compared to the amount of mana or cards they Just cost. to really quickly contextualize the conversation that we're about to have about sort of what we think the philosophy behind the ban list should be and sort of what types of cards should be banned, um, let's talk about the existing structure. Uh, the Rules Committee currently has the ban list set up uh, to target a few specific kinds of cards. Um... Some of those cards are cards that are banned due to availability and pricing and things like that, where uh, it seems like they're just being banned, not because they're insanely powerful, and it seem- their statements have seemed to come closer to, these are banned because no one can get them. Uh, and th- these are things like the Power 9, uh, all of them, uh, and some older cards that are just really, no longer really available, um, or are priced out of the range of people. Uh, other cards are cards that are abusable in the format, 
and or lead to just general cheese strats. These include things like Iono Shield of Myria, um, Caracas, uh, or things like Grizzlebrand and uh, what is uh, Leovold Emissary of Trest, as well as Hullbreacher. Cards that just break too easily in the format and can sort of th send us careening off into broken space easily. Uh, and then the other category that seems to be a big factor are endgame cards that don't end the game or end the game in an unfun way. The, this is the sort of most obscure category, but here we have things like Upheaval, uh, Sylvan Primordial, Sundering Titan, uh, just cards that will kind of just ruin the game if they resolve without ending the game. It is a clear distinction they draw there. Um, there's a couple cards that sort of float between these categories and, as Julian said, sort of some inconsistencies, but the, that's sort of where we see their philosophy now. They don't want you to cheese the early game, they want you to get to the late game, and when you get there, they want you to have fun there. Yeah, I and I think one of the biggest sort of quote-unquote flaws here is that as you were saying those cards, I was getting ready to disagree with you, and I think the fact that I'm disagreeing completely on like this is a card that falls into this category kind of just, you know, underlines the problem at hand. Yeah. Um, and th that is my interpretation of their motivation. They will post motivation when they talk about banning or unbanning a card, but they do not have motivations for each ban up on the website. Yeah, I guess. Um, so a, a big thing I, I'd have to say, honestly, overall, I agree with like a lot of those categories, but um, I, I feel like, and I think what a lot of people, the issue they take with this list is that it feels like a grab bag of all, of all the cards that should be uh, banned, just sort of like randomly scooped out of a hat, and they're like, okay, well, we, this one's bad, and this one's bad, so let's just go with this, and we've hit our allotment, and that's it. Um, but I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of you guys agree with me that this ban list should be expanded to sort of fill out those categories, uh, and the one Eric's mentioned and the one I was sort of, am sort of going into here, um, which is one, like, uh, Eric mentioned cards that sort of, uh, che are, are cheesy for, for EDH, like Caracas, um, but Caracas, you know, obviously it's banned because every player has a legendary creature, and, um, everyone... Uh, wants to be able to play that legendary creature, but if that's the case, then where is Drandith Magistrate on this list, for example? Uh, that, that's the example, or that's like just where I think we want to see things filled out. So, um, uh, if you ask me, <laughs> um, cards like Sylvala Stampede and Doxot Extortionist may be appropriate fall into this category, where it's just like um, you're taking advantage of the fact that uh, there are X many players in this game. Um, or, if you want to take a card like Cyclonic Rift, which, for the fact that it's instant speed and the amount of mana it costs, can provide you just an insane amount of uh, advantage. Uh, and this doesn't have to just be cards that are mana advantage-wise. It could be um, cards that are card advantage-wise, where it's like, I could have two cards, and I just win the game. Such as Mike... Micaeus and or Trike, Triskelion, <laughs> two card combo. Or even on the topic of card advantage, I think you would agree that like Leovold and any wheel or Hull Breacher and any wheel is just yes. <clears throat> um, 
cards that can, like, really screw your opponents, or even you included, out of uh, the game, that just sort of artificially draw the game out lengthwise, like, Eric, you mentioned this category. Um, Upheaval uh, is a perfect example of that, but what about something like Obliterate? (laughs) I know that's been in our play group <laughs> uh, a couple times, <laughs> but uh, Obliterate kind of just it doesn't necessarily put anyone at uh, a huge advantage, unless, of course, in, in very specific situations. But uh, m- more often than not, it seems it's just a let's restart, reset the game from square one type <laughs> card. Um, last thing for me, maybe it's just a personal thing, I think uh, Tutor Spells with a high what you can fetch out of your deck to mana value ratio, um, those should be banned. <laughs> because the consistency of your deck uh, just skyrockets uh, with those. Uh, thank you for listening to my piece. <laughs> so are you, are you including, like, uh, Vampiric and Demonic in that? Yes, and okay. even one of my all-time favorites, Gamble. Card that screwed me over a few times, I won't lie. <laughs> I was going to say, what are you talking about? Gamble just reads, search your library for a card, put that card in your graveyard. I don't know what you're talking about. In your graveyard, yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's that's a powerful that's a, effect. That's a, that's a that's tomb, true. baby, that's right there. Tomb, right. <laughs> so, yep. Um, so, that those are sort of the categories that I think they should fall under. And, uh, like I said, the RC has grabbed some of these, but far from all of them. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I guess yeah. I guess that kind of bleeds into you know what cards do we do we want to see banned? Um, speaking about the the ban list specifically, I definitely agree with the point that you know it's either too little or too much, um, but it should see equal representation of all those forms of cards. So you know, Oakley, you you talk about these different categories that some of the cards on the list fall into, uh, but there are a lot more that could be kind of seen as an equal amount that have come out since the creation of this ban list. It, 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 a lot of the time you see one one card banned, and that's even recently. Like I think the ban list went years without change to the point where it was, oh, another quarterly update, nothing's going to happen. Uh, and so it, it's really, you know, I think some of it comes from the smaller amount of play that a lot of the uh, rules committee kind of deals with. Because I feel like some of this has to be cards that, are have a direct impact on their play or there's the rc and then there's the community association cag it's the commander advisory group yeah commander advisory group that kind of reaches out to the community and is involved in some of these higher up meetings but they're not like the actual rules committee and they hear a lot of complaints from the group um but it seems like a lot of these cards need some sort of direct connection or it's hard for them to get on there when the community outcry requires a lot of effort so I definitely, I, I agree that the list should be lengthened. I would, I know that, you know, no matter what a list is, there's going to be arguments with it, but at least have it be much more clear on where the lines are drawn in terms of what these cards are supposed to do. And so the the conversation is more about individual cards and not about the philosophy of the list as a whole. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, actually. And I, I've heard that interpretation before where it's just like, if us four were the rules committee, like the list would be probably like an equal, like, we would probably fall into the trap of the list would be an equal size, but it'd be like an entirely different set of cards. But it'd just be like subbing cards out, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, like the Cyclonic Rift, you know, but it's like, we wouldn't be able to cover everything. So I, I think that's inherently part of the problem. And uh, I think I want to sort of go a little bit into like what my philosophy of how the list should work 
the way the rules committee bans this this is one of the, part of their key philosophy that I forgot to go into earlier. Uh, they are focused on new player experience, kitchen table magic, and playing amongst friends. That is why Rule Zero is what it is, and so that is a, a key element to the format, in their opinion, is a social contract where you work together with people, discuss with people how you want to play, and then play the game. And I think that should be its own thing. I don't think you need a ban list for that. There's no, like, on the MTG Pro Tour, there's no guys being dudes category. There's no friends playing magic section. And, like, that's its own thing. You don't need to tell people the rules for that. They know the rules. You play the game however you want. That's how the four of us got started. We started playing right around the time of a rotation, and we all just sort of ubiquitously agreed, like, yeah, we're not rotating. <laughs> Absolutely screw that. We're going to play our old cards and have fun. So, like, we played some bastardized version of Standard and Modern and had a great time, and no one had to tell us, you're allowed to do that. We just did it. The rules for Commander should be the rules for a competitive game. That is what it is. If you are setting a ban list, you are defining cards that make winning feel inappropriate or, like, cards that, you know, disrupt the flow of what you want the game to look like. And so, you don't get to define the flow of what someone's kitchen table looks like. L legitimately, leave them alone. <laughs> um, yeah, get out of their house, dude. <laughs> yes. What are you doing at their kitchen table? <laughs> but They didn't invite you in. What you do get to define <laughs> is MTG-sanctioned events. So if there ever is a Commander Pro Tour or, you know, Commander Knights, uh, I know our old uh, comic shop, game store, rest in peace, uh, had a weekly Commander Night. And we used the Rules Committee's ban list, but, like, it wasn't great because, like, you know, just radically different power level decks can show up. Whereas a ban list focused on, like, the competitive element of the game, not necessarily CEDH, but where you are trying to win the game and you know where we're not we're not out here banning cards like that just have nothing to do with like people trying to win i'm i'm namely thinking of like like no one is going to try to use sway of the stars 10 mana reset the game as a part of their like key competitive strategy so i Eric, I like what you're saying, but I also despise it. Um, there's the idea here that, like, I, I don't want Commander to be an inherently competitive format. Like, there is there is the idea if you have a ban list, it's because you want the game to be competitive, you want to win. That's fine. I think I would just settle for a change in the philosophy because uh, the, the things you mentioned, the groups that the ban list is currently made for is kitchen tables, new players, friends. Those all have an inherent social contract between them. Like, friends... They have their relationship outside of the game, and that is going to influence some of the card decision. New players have no idea what they're doing, so you're going to kind of inform some of their decisions. And similar with Kitchen Table. So you can rely on that extra level, which is also kind of getting into rule zero, of, you know, we're playing this game how we want to play this game. And the problem is, now that Commander is out of those environments and is in large tournaments, is at local game stores, you have this social contract with other people you've never met and nine times, well, not nine times out of ten, but a majority of the time, you're going to find yourself in situations where it doesn't feel inherently even. 
like your social contract with people that have a close relationship with you is wildly different than someone else's group. And that kind of goes into what you said with the varying power levels. So I don't really want this to be a list that's kind of, I'm, I'm okay with them banning unfun cards like Sway of the Stars. So one of the things that has been happening recently is why was Worldfire unbanned and Sway of the Stars wasn't. And it was to do with like resources in hand and whatnot. So you can still kind of do something with it. And I'm okay with them banning cards that are unfun. Um, I don't need it to be inherently competitive, but I just want them to, or, or this acknowledgement from the format that you're going to be playing with people that aren't necessarily your friends at this point. So you all need to start from a place that has more common understanding of what is being a dick and what is not. Yeah, even if there was like like a res- I, I want to say restricted list, but that's not what I mean. Um, like a secondary ban list where they essentially just put all the unfun cards, cards that weren't broken, cards that didn't disrupt the flow of what you want a game to look like, cards that don't interact with the competitive sphere at all, or even even just like attempting to be competitive, like high power commander cards that have nothing to do with that, but are just generally toxic. If there were just a list of, you're a bad person if you play these cards, that would make me happy. Where we can, we can exile all of the, all of the Sway of the Stars, all of the World Fires, all of the Obliterates, and just be like, hey, no one wants to deal with you if you play these. They're not banned, but don't. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of the, the idea or the heavy lifting of the one sentence above the ban list on their website that says, this should inform your group and other cards like them you should take into consideration. And I think, I think my issue with a list that's like, you shouldn't play these cards, is there's, no, there's nothing to stop someone from doing it in a local game store. The, the second you have a tournament, or the second you have like winning points, someone's going to play a toxic card if it helps them win in, a, in, a, in any strategy. And I know something we've talked about kind of before is like the difference between a C, CDH list versus an EDH list, and kind of assessing at that level sort of thing. And maybe that is more of a like, if you're playing CDH, some of these cards that are ridiculous are unbanned because it doesn't make any sense to ban them. Um, but I, I don't like a you shouldn't list because I believe that that leaves too much to interpretation. I, I don't want interpretation when it comes to this because I don't trust anyone outside of people I have a social contract with. That's that's fair. I, I guess more what I was saying was like, if I show up to a local game store and someone finds a way to, you know, like bust Sway of the Stars and make it work out really well for them... Good for them. I showed up to play. I was trying to win. They were trying to win. They beat me. As long as the game doesn't take several hours because they're using Sway of the Stars to win the game, I don't care. It To me, it's an element of as soon as there are prizes on the line, as soon as there's money on the line, even as soon as there's, like, title on the line, the social contract is play to win, be respectful. So as long as someone is respectful of me and my time, I don't care how they win the game. And I, I think we're allowed to disagree on that philosophy. I think that's an entirely acceptable area to sort of diverge. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in, um, and I'm gonna, I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you, Eric. And I think I'm actually gonna take it a slight step further. Um, I, I think I might actually be the only person in the room, or the the theoretical room, the Discord call. Um, <laughs> You're the only one in the room, Julie. Yes, You're all alone. <laughs> or am I? Or am I? Um, uh, I think I'm probably the only one in the room who thinks that the the ban list should actually be shorter. Um, I think one of the biggest things about this format is that there's no real constraints on what you can play, right? Obviously, there's standard, and that's the last two years, and then there's modern, and that's a certain period of time, legacy, etc. The best thing about Commander is that you can pretty much play everything, even like these weird 
silly card. Obviously, there's like commander only cards. You know what I mean? So I don't like the idea that of, especially for as a new player experience, they like open some busted whatever in a in a modern you know masters pack, and then they're like, sorry, you can't play that. This actually happened to me. I opened a foil grizzle brand in a modern masters pack, and I was like. This just sounds like you're butthurt about opening a foil grizzle. Shut the fuck up, Chubb. I'm trying to make a point. Anyway, what, what I'm <laughs> saying is, I don't, I don't think there's. I, I think for me, one, like Eric was saying, as soon as you go to anything, Chubb, you said, oh, God forbid, there's a commander tournament. All right, the minute, the minute there's a commander tournament, we're talking a completely different ball game. It is now CDH because people are going to win because there are prizes on the line, prestige on the line, whatever. As soon as that happens, you cannot trust the spikes not to come out and do what they're going to do. Um, I mean, we already have seen this because we played cdh a few times that's just that's how that format is just like most other formats of magic they are competitive by nature people are going to take every advantage they can to do whatever so unless you explicitly say a card cannot be used in that setting uh people will use it um but i think once you're getting into a, a thing where you're actually having money whatever on the line that's when personally i think wizards should come in and say now that we're sanctioning this as a format that we are providing prize support to and we're having people fly in from all over the country to you know play this game in in a bracket um they need to kind of lay down the law and say this is what we want for our game um but for everything else basically if you go to gp las vegas or whatever and people are playing commander in the side pods um you know when gp las vegas comes back or you just go to fnm and people are playing generally i think that most people who want to sit down to do that are not going to come through and just, you know, fuck your face with something really stupid like Arayo Soratami Ascendant or something. Um, and if they do, I think that's kind of a necessary part of the learning experience for people when they're playing with others. That, like, when you do that, all right, people are going to play the game and either they're going to scoop because they're going to be like, screw this, or they'll play the game out. They'll do their best to win. They won't get there, or maybe they will. I don't know. Um, and then they'll be like, all right, you know, I'm going to go play with these other guys over here or, or it's 11 PM. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. Or I got to go pick my kid up from, you know, daycare or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Like that's just how it is. And I feel like it's a combination of, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt, but also let people learn on their own. Right. Like, yes, magic is technically a kid's game, but like, I- I'm going to, I'm going to use the term. We're all adults here loosely because in general, honestly, we all mostly are at least like. 18 or whatever i think people can come through and and realize that when you're playing a format that is marketed as more casual quote unquote more casual obviously people still want to win that playing like that is not going to get you any friends obviously aka it's not going to get you any more games you're not going to be playing it i feel like that sort of just actual psychological reinforcement is much better than telling people that they can't play with these cool cards that they came with and also i think another thing is that Having a ban list that goes the full extent and now all of a sudden, you know, say we take Oak's four categories of what needs to be banned. All of a sudden, there's going to be like 200 cards that are banned. And I think one that goes against the the spirit of Commander being like this kind of, you can do whatever you want in this format, right? You know, the world is your oyster. You can play whatever you want. Um, and now all of a sudden, not only can you not play whatever you want, but it's a pain just to be like, well, is this card even legal? Can I even play this? Like, and now all of a sudden, well, if I can't play this, maybe it's my favorite commander or like, what am I going to do with this card? You know, half the cards that I own are not even valid in this format anymore. I think that that's a bit of a slippery slope. And also I feel like very select targeted bans on things that are either drastically reducing diversity in the format. So these are things like, I don't have the data, but. I, fish I think, th- I think that's might be two cards that 
people would look at in terms of like starting targets. There are several decks that yes. only work because Ad Nauseum exists and not only exists, but works the exact archaic way that it does. And then Fish is a dumb card who everyone, not everyone hates, who I hate. <laughs> yes, Eric, we, I, I was going to say I don't have the data, but I imagine that was part of the reasoning behind the Golos ban. But yes, then I was also going to say, but if we're looking at things like competitive EDH specifically, I would say that Fish is probably one of the number one targets. Um, it's why it Flash was, was banned. I was going to say, while it was still legal, that's probably, that's definitely why Flash was a uh, target. Things like that. So I think that being able to call in a drone strike on like just these very few cards that are causing problems, kind of how standard should have been. Like if they could have just been like, boom, you know, nuke Oko boom nuke omnath assuming that they didn't print you know just 50 busted cards you know or like back in the old days where they were like boom nuke skull clamp like boom nuke jace the mind sculptor these just very targeted bands because these things were getting up to like 70 percent play rate um that's much more what i'm in favor of and uh i'll leave it at that i've been rambling but um that's my philosophy i want to have sorry really quickly what i imagine is a five second conversation uh the phrase band as commander should be brought back correct I think so, yeah. I'm mediocre on it. I don't think it. it matters. Like, Leovold and Braid is the only one. Uh, Leovold, I Braid, really I think Rafalos. I don't know. It's just one if, of those things. If the only concern is for, like, understanding of the ban list and, like, whether it should be a binary thing, which I believe is what they go with, I think it's okay for one or two commanders to suffer. I think it's also, like, a, a targeted ban list is fine, but we get more and more super-powered stuff every year, and we're getting more and more legendary creatures every year. So Bandus Commander, I think, could get out of hand. And then targeted bands worked better when it was only certain cards that were busted, not an entire set. Two things. One, I I don't like the Bandus Commander one because, once again, that just adds way more complexity now. And also, a lot of the things that were Bandus Commander were only problematic because you would only play them as, play them as a commander. Like, I don't think anyone's going to play Rafelos not as their general. I don't think anyone's going to play Leovold not as their general. The only one that I can really think of is, like, Iona. But that's a different conversation for why that should most likely be banned. That's fair. Into <laughs> mono white. Yeah. I mean, mono white <laughs> might as well be banned anyway, because wizards just decided that they think all white cards should be bad. Um, Jeff, maybe my, maybe my standard analogy, you know, we just emerged from the nuclear winter that was standard 2019 and 2020. <laughs> um, and most of 2021 because those, there were so many busted cards, but that's for standard. I don't think that e even though we're printing a lot of powerful cards and we're printing a lot of, good cards for commander i don't think we've really seen anything that's been busted at least off the top of my head um in the past breacher? say three years opposition agent yeah both hole breacher and opposition agent are gross uh, they're gross <laughs> but i don't think they're busted hole breacher was busted Th th that was a correct ban <laughs> no i agree with the hole breacher one just because that's that too but that's I, th I feel like that's just a miserable something that like fundamentally shuts off the game like how the game of magic works uh, i think is uh, a high consideration for me for something that should be banned so something like that yeah i, I can get behind that more than something like a uh, gifts unforgiven ban yeah that is one one category of cards you get a couple on the ban list that i think is probably my my biggest category and it's like for things that should be unbanned and it's ones that if you had i, I believe like some of the philosophy behind it is like if you agreed with an opponent to do something nasty, you could do something nasty. And I think that's the reason Trade Secrets is banned. Um, target opponent draws two cards, then you draw up to four cards. That opponent may repeat this process as many times as he or she chooses. With the idea that, like, 
hey, I'll make a pact with you. Let's each draw a bajillion cards. And they're like, well, that's not fun because then the other people feel excluded. But then you get like, I mean, Gifts Ungiven is kind of a similar way, but we have so many other cards that are like that that it makes it hard to kind of approve them being on here. I mean, Gifts Ungiven is just kind of busted because it's four mana tutor for any two cards. That's... I don't think that's busted because you and your opponent can do something nasty. I think that's busted. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just busted because you could get four cards that are busted <laughs> and then you just need you two. Could... Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I, I don't think gifts should be banned in this day and age. Maybe maybe when the rules committee made this list, aka like 2011, when most of these cards were put on here. But like I think since now, I would say probably two-thirds of these cards could come out. I'm with you. A lot of these cards can come out. This is a take you're going to get upset with. Emrakul, the Aeos Thorn, can, can come off this list. It's really okay. But Gifts Ungiven is 4 mana instant speed tutor 4. Gross. It's not really, though, because to go to your graveyard, which I understand, yes, you can use your graveyard basically as a second hand, but it takes some work. And also, your opponent chooses which ones you get. I think it's probably someone did the math and figured out that you could always, with four cards, kind of like a doomsday pile, win. So the idea is, like, you could always end up with four cards where it doesn't matter if two go to the graveyard... They're interchangeable enough, like two graveyard tutors and two of something else. And then it's like, it's essentially, you know, you just drew everything to win. But you could make that argument for any tutor to Oakley's point of like, just get the card that lets you win. Yeah. I'm also very much more like, if you need four cards for your engine or your tutor or whatever, go ahead. Be my guest. You know what I mean? Like, I'm much more concerned about one and two card combos. And honestly, I'm not even that concerned about combos. Um, I know that's maybe a contentious take on this pod, but sure, do it. Not only contentious, depending on what you mean by combos, I think that's stupid. And and not I'm as you're gonna say fish. <laughs> I understand fish the, is stupid. No, I think that's a deck problem, not just the combo problem. But fucking go ahead, play Kiki Jiki Pestermite. Do it. Have fun. More of what I was trying to get at was like. At the top level, a lot of the ways to win the game, after scores of people doing so much more analysis than any of us would ever have time to do with the best way to win at Commander, they have decided the best ways are almost universally two-card combos. Well, yeah. If you could have a one-card combo, then they would do that too. Yeah. There are several Obviously, decks the less that... resources and the quicker you can get to it, that's better. And that's why it's CDH, competitive EDH. They're doing everything in their power to win as quickly as possible and be as resilient as possible because people are going to try to stop them. That's just the nature of the beast. Having played in both, I think the divide between CEDH and EDH is much thinner than people think. I have uh, sat down against uh, a competitive EDH deck, beaten it with my Golos deck. I am very confident that Oakley could go sit down at a competitive table and have a good shot at winning the table with uh, OG Maelstrom Wanderer. There is a blur in that line where if you are just playing good enough card quality and aggressive enough gameplay, you win 15-20% of games in a four-player pod, despite not being a competitive EDH deck. And so I think that this is one format, and despite the fact that it has been divided into two communities, or several communities really, part of the ban list making sense to everyone is getting together and acting like one community. So saying that oh, well, that's competitive EDH, that's different. Or, oh, you know, like, well, this is kitchen table play, that's really different. Or, like, oh, well, this is that's like card shop magic, not like pro tour magic. I think that making a bunch of divides makes the ban list make less sense every time you cut the play player base. 
I agree with the sentiment, but I disagree in that personally, I think CDH is basically should be its own format because of the mentality of it. Yes, we as entrenched players with tuned decks could come in and beat a competitive pod, but on the whole, on the aggregate of people playing commander, that's not the case. And also people are not coming into commander and being like, all right, turn one, I'm going to play my dual land and my soul ring into my in my mana crypt and then turn two, I'm going to tutor twice and then turn three, I'm going to go off and I'm going to have force backup. People are coming in and they're like, turn three, I'm going to play cultivate and then turn five, I'm going to play uh, explosive vegetation and then maybe on like turn seven, I'm going to play an eight mana eight eight and it's going to be great. That's totally fair. And I, I recognize that those look like different games. However, the dude rip and the cultivate could also have a counterspell in his hand, even a Dovin's Veto if he's playing Bant or something. And then when that dude goes to go off across the table from him, if he sees that threat, recognizes it, and then goes, okay, like, I, I saw that, like, you were kind of doing something crazy, like, I'm going to hit you with this Dovin's Veto, it looks like a reasonable card to play. The force doesn't matter, and the guy across the table doesn't win. Like, it's a singleton format, there's so much variance. I, I totally get that, like, these people are playing what look like different games, but... In the end, yes, if you pair someone who is just new to the format against someone who's an entrenched player and has spent thousands of dollars, the entrenched player is going to win. But you can't say, like, people who are bad at building decks are going to lose, and that means this is a different format. I feel like that's way too much of a simplification, though. No, I mean, there's a difference between decks being bad and decks being, like, weirdly good. I think that there should be two different ban lists or two different formats just from the fact that, like, yes... There isn't any tiered sort of tournament for Commander. But the fact that you could go to a local game store, they're just starting to open up again, everyone's getting excited. New player bought an AFR pre-con, is getting ready to play that. And someone could show up with a freaking Gitrog combo, and it's the same format. Nothing can stop them from playing. Oh, they might be seen as a dick, but you can't stop them from going into the pod. You can't stop them from winning. And there's just like... There's such a difference in deck mentality and what it's trying to do. Yes, they're the same cards. Yes, they both like to play Cultivate. But their means to an end is radically different. And the philosophy behind when you play those decks is also radically different. I think one of the best things would be Commander Class just did a CDH episode uh, where they all tried to pilot CDH decks. Everyone who knew CDH and was watching was like pulling their hair out from not understanding certain lines of play. Because it's all memorization at this point. Like, you know what you're trying to do with your specific deck, and you have to play that thing. And that is not how most people are playing regular Commander. That's fair. So the second, like, your deck philosophy has to change and your mentality while you're playing the deck, I think that's inherently a different game. I I guess, for me, this is something that sort of both in and outside of Magic I've had to reconnoiter with a couple times. Uh, I am not a dick. <laughs> I, I, I generally try not to be a piece of shit, despite calling Julian stupid moments ago. Um, <laughs> and so... When you bring up that conversation of like, oh, well, like someone walks into a, a game store and they're like opening a pre-con at the table and then some other dude walks in, slams down his foiled out Gitrog combo deck and he's got the PowerPoint on his phone to explain ha exactly how he's about to beat your ass. Uh, like in my mind, the Gitrog player sits down and is like, oh, are you just getting started? That's super exciting. And then talks to them about the format and maybe offers to loan them a deck to play with or, like, to, like, 
work something out where they don't just shred this kid. Welcome to the Hex Drinkers, where we're going to discuss the base nature of humanity. Are humans inherently good, or are they evil? Because <laughs> I, I did a, uh, I went to PAX a couple of years ago, and I didn't bring a deck. I mean, I've been playing for years at that point. I forgot to bring a deck, and I ended up using like a 2019 pre-con. Um, I think it was the Jeskai one. And then someone else at the table also got a pre-con, and I think it was the um, maybe Madness. I don't know. Point is, at the table with us, there was someone playing like a completely foiled out dual lands, red, white, something. The decks they are don't matter. It was basically like you have one guy with a super blinged out deck, super chill, super great. And you had another one who was frustrated when um, one of the pre-con players, who was not me, uh, played a Pendant of Prosperity targeting me. And I had a creature out and no one else did. And he was like, really? You're going to target the other you know, pre-con player? And we're like, no, we're trying to help each other out because our decks are just inherently less powerful. But he was so frustrated that he then tried to combo off the next turn and win. What an asshole. <laughs> I don't want to draw conclusions about the magic community, but I think there's enough angry voices out there and you constantly hear, and maybe I'm just subjected to Twitter the most as the person who's like writing our social media and things like that some of the time, but there are enough people out there who are making the game harder for everyone else that I personally have been just kind of like my idea of humanity tarnished to the point where I can't immediately assume everyone in this random pod is going to be good. Well, that's Twitter. And there's a couple thousand really bad people on there, and then seven plus billion reasonable people in the rest of the world. But having played in pods and then having that experience kind of like shown to me firsthand, it's it's the two together. And granted, you know, that is pessimistic. And I don't trust people to not be dicks if given the opportunity. So should the purpose of the ban list be to protect those that cannot form those in a group that cannot form a social this contract is just getting, from this is politics dicks. now. Like it honestly is coming down to like <laughs> I forgot more regulation, we like less CBH. regulation. Uh, <laughs> and now representative Reed has the floor. Should that be the purpose of the ban list we're discussing today? Cause like, let's just say, let's put competitive, like, like top level off in a different, and let's say four people show up four random people show up to a thing and no one has any idea if who is a dick and who's good. You don't even know if you're a dick. Because if you only have your own group, like, you wouldn't know. Oh, this sounds like a fun logic puzzle. So the ban list, in my opinion, in it should be should exist to prevent bad things from happening in that exact scenario. Because for people like us, I, I feel like can, if we really want to, like, soft ban stuff, which I know is... Like, rule zero discussion, but, like, if we really want to kick something out, yeah. we can do it. Because, you know, we're all cool with each other. But but for people that have just met and will probably part ways and never meet each other again, how can we allow these four people to have a good experience? Nothing is on the line except yeah, like, their experience. Like, four people yeah, showed up early to game. Friday Night Magic. How can we have time for one game? How do we keep, make that game safe? I think that is what motivates my opinion of what should be on the ban list. I understand where you're coming from, and I understand that every now and then people are just going to have a bad time. And that's obviously, I don't want that to happen, but I, I still stand by my opinion that people should be able to do what they want. And then if you come in and you're a dick or you play something and people don't like that, they're either going to not play with you again. You're going to get a reputation, whatever. Generally that sort of thing works itself out socially. There's this aspect of ostracism where, you know, like if you're a murderer, <laughs> you get ostracized from society. Julie, can, can I offer a better example, maybe? Sure. If you drive like an asshole, 
maybe you get into accidents, you aren't killing anyone, but like eventually your insurance company will just be like, hey, no, we're not going to insure you anymore. Or if you play like an asshole, eventually your game store might be like, hey, you're not allowed to play here anymore. Like we just, yes. you are making people leave. <laughs> I was yes, thank you. That is a much better analogy. I was I was trying to go like as as base level like lizard brain as possible just to like try and drive the point home, but yes. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. That is the sort of thing that society generally as a whole kind of enacts, which my biggest thing is I don't want to like come through and like try and restrict people. Like people generally should be able to play what they want and then that will kind of play itself out. I understand where you're coming from though. I just want to take a, a more hands-off approach, and you want to take a more hands-on approach. So two things. I got two things about that. One, I think I agree that that would work definitely in like a smaller circle, but I think it becomes harder to regulate as you as things grow in size, where you get that scenario of like four random people meet up, they never see each other again, and it's like I'm gonna want to do that less if I think I might have a bad time because like you know they might get away with it. Also. In groups like ours, how do we ostracize the person? Because if you're playing a card I don't like, I'm not going to kick you out because you're my friend. Well, that's, <laughs> so what I do we I, do? I also see it as like, instead of this, this bad driving, I see it as a shopping cart problem. Which is like, you don't have to put your shopping cart back. You won't get in trouble. Nothing bad will happen to you. And I think a lot of the time, the people that are repeat offenders don't feel like anything bad is happening to them because they won. You know, that's that's what they're here to do. And against everyone else, there's not enough, especially when you're dealing with a hobby where a lot of people have social anxiety and those kind of things. And yes, you could say they should speak out. They should represent themselves. They say this was unfun. I did not have a good time. But you're going to get a lot of people who don't understand that that is an option. And I'm not saying we have to protect every case, but I say it as you have a shopping cart. Do you put it back or do you like leave it out in the middle of nowhere? And I think the people who leave it out in the middle of nowhere are the same people that are going to be dicks if you have a really un <laughs> unregulated ban list i don't know i still maintain that that's a, a very small minority of people and i still think that generally that sort of thing will kind of iron itself out because I mean, how often are people like playing with like 20 different play groups you know across the you know the 20 times they play edh so you know out a year like you're generally going size of the uh the local game store yes 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 but you, you still in in those sorts of situations you at least there's like a reputation that like you know rumors and shit spread it's not like if you're going to 20 different cons a year and that's how it happens like yeah i don't have a solution for that i'm sorry for the people that had to play with you but there's plenty of people who are going there who are having a good time but sorry go ahead eric go ahead yeah i i guess like i recognize that like julian as you said there doesn't have to be a solution. 99% of the time, long form, this will work itself out. But I think that not attempting a solution isn't the right answer to that. Because, like, let's say 5 to 10% of Magic game or, like, Commander games suck because we decide, you know what, it's kitchen table, we don't need a ban list at the lower level, competitive can have a ban list... But, like, here, we're going to have a super limited ban list of cards that just break the game. I think that, like, you can do more for those players. The question for me there just becomes, where do you draw that line? And it's a really, really hard line to draw. Is Maelstrom Wanderer banned? Is Maelstrom Wanderer too unfun? Yes. <laughs> no, yes. I think it's fine. 
sure, but like if someone shows up with a precon and you resolve a maelstrom wanderer, you're probably gonna beat them. Uh, yeah, like the it's too much free mana, and so that's a card that Oakley's trying to build like an elemental tribal deck around in order to power it down and in order to make it seem more reasonable and have more fun with it. I struggle to think of a way where we can account for everything, which I so hate that the more we talk about this, the more I approach the rules committee stance, but you have to have a conversation before the game. Starting a game of commander with strangers before talking to them is one of the dumbest things you could do and expect to have a fair game. I recently sat down with two people who I'd never met and one of whom I had been on a couple dates with <laughs> and played Magic. Uh, we played Commander. Uh, one of the other people who I had never met was like, hey, let's have a good Rule Zero discussion. And I was like, okay, here's what I have. Here's the themes of these decks. Here's about what I think they can do. And he said, okay, I'm playing at a much more casual level. I collect for fun. I've been collecting for a long time. I just find more casual magic a little more fun. Here's what I'm working with. Here's what my wife's working with. Uh, and here's the deck I'm going to loan to this person you're dating. I was like, okay, that's great. Good to know. I played Mono Green Legends. We had a great game until the end where I resolved uh, the Undead Green God from... Uh, Ronus. Oh, yeah, Ronus. Ronus. Yeah. Uh, and just blew out the table and I was like, okay... I didn't go low enough, and I felt bad that I didn't swing low enough on power level, and so I think that, like, if we hadn't had those discussions, I would have played Ur-Dragon, and it would have been so much worse. Very good point. Love the anecdote. I, I just thought that was assumed, that when you go out into the world and you're about to play a game with people that you have not met, there would be at least a vague conversation of, hey, we playing CDH? No. We're, what you're you're playing a two? Okay, you know we'll figure something out. I I assumed that that was kind of a thing. I thought that that had been ingrained into the collective consciousness of Magic players enough at this point that that would be a thing. But if that was not clear on my part, I apologize, listeners. Do that thing that Eric said that is phenomenal and that will work excellently for you in the long run. Yeah, I I guess I just wanted to say that I hate that I was starting to trend towards the rules committee's sp stance of like. Well, you know what? It's your job. We can't do this for you because the more I look at how to write a ban list, the more I'm like, we, no one can do this for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like the line of what is unfun and what breaks the game, and and then where where is that kind of made? And I guess it, it really goes into my <laughs> my fundamental disbelief in humanity, where I'm like, okay, they could lie, and yeah, you have that that internal guilt of like, oh, I lied. Some people don't. <laughs> they win their game. They go home. It's over. And so, but I, I'm not saying that there's a there's a perfect solution to like, okay, you need to stop this conversation from being necessary because I don't think you ever do. And I think in the long term, people that get entrenched will gravitate away from the people who do those kind of things. Uh, but I think a lot of people who might be trying to start out and trying to play new things, if they just get pub stomped immediately by someone who's like, my deck's a six, and they have the wrong precon of the four... Um, that's it's going to be a radically different experience <laughs> than if they got a Traxa. So <laughs> that's fair enough. I once again, my faith in humanity is that generally, at least from what I've found, magic players 
especially when like when like new people come in magic players are you like yes yes please come in like we want to like coddle you and like show you all these things and like we're definitely going to help you out and like here you can you know borrow this deck because we're not playing pre-con level or whatever so that's what i've seen generally but i understand that um if 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 we could tie a little you know a, a, a misshapen bow on this because clearly this is not a, a an open and shut case but i think we should start talking about individual cards um itself because i think we've yeah we've we've beaten the philosophy horse uh half to death let's let's let it limp That's away true. let's talk about specific cards that we either want to ban or unban and i met julian at a, a young enough age that i realized that humanity has no chance yeah. well that's a separate conversation in itself so <laughs> um, all, right, all right boys things we think need to get banned we've or, i think we've or had this unbanned. discussion a little bit or unbanned or unbanned just to briefly go over the ones i had mentioned in the past um so Vala stampede doxy extortionist Cyclonic Rift, um, Trike, <laughs> uh, Vamp Vampiric, Winter Orb, Obliterate, and any card that's close enough in So you function. want these cards 100% out of the format? Yeah. My my question is, considering 85% of the card that cards that you just named are see some to heavy play in our format, are these things that we potentially need to have a conversation about? Perhaps we should wait until the Rule Zero section. We could. Or, I mean, or we could, you know, have it on our own time, but... That, that's just interesting that he's naming a lot of these cards. Also, cards which he... Yeah, cards that you play in your own deck. I know cards, cards that, that I play. Are, you know, <laughs> pretty ubiquitous, honestly, with the format, I would say. But that's that's interesting that you are, are starting to aim the reticle on some, some cards. I mean, I, I definitely... And I think this might be funny if we all end up there. I, I would definitely... While not as extensive, because I haven't really like approached games with the idea that cards... I could point a finger at and be like, you should go. Um, but for me, it, it would definitely be like, we see some elements of fast mana on the ban list already. And so I'm thinking things like Soul Ring, things like Mana Crypt, things that kind of like really blow out the early game uh, to an extent where it's not inherently even. Or you have the other issue uh, where it's like someone appears to become ahead. And depending where you want to draw this line that we talked about for the last hour, uh, they get targeted unfairly, even if they have nothing to kind of do with it. Um, but also Cyclonic Rift. Cyclonic Rift is a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm on a very short list. I would like to give Fish and Adnaz a trial ban. Like, what what are they doing historic? They put a card in timeout and they're like, suspend how does the format it. Oh, they look? suspend yeah. it, which is a fucking suspend. joke. Yeah, I want to suspend Fish and Adnaz, but that's not for this playgroup. Right. In this playgroup. Is it too late to ask, what is Fish? Thassa's Oracle. Thassa's Oracle. Uh, Fish is Thassa's Oracle. Ah, okay. Yes. Uh, Julian, you can cut this to the front. Uh, a couple times in this episode, we're going to talk about a card named Fish. Uh, it is actually Thassa's Oracle. It is a win the game effect that triggers if you have an empty deck. Yeah, and it's a trigger. It's not a. Uh, it's not like a I had a man. feeling, but I wasn't sure because it's a merfolk wizard, uh, and it has nothing to do with a fish. Magic players are lazy. What does it look like? Looks like a merfolk. It looks like a fish. <laughs> it's just a fucking fish. Anyway, <laughs> I was like, does he mean Mystic Remora? Like, is Mystic Remora calling problems <laughs> I don't know about? Because that is literally just a fish on a plate. No, no, no. Mystic Remora is fish. It's not fish. That's fish food. <laughs> no, all right. I'm, I'm kidding. But actually, in our play group, I'd be very interested to see, like, what it looks like if we, you know, got rid of Fast Man, if we got rid of Soul Ring, if we got rid of sort of those early game mana accelerants that are so ubiquitous, got rid of some of the... I don't know if I want to get rid of consistency elements in terms of tutors like Oak, but honestly, I wouldn't have an issue if we were like, hey, you know what? We're just not going to, like, you can loop a combo three times in one turn. After that, you're done. 
I agree. Julian, I'm the person in this play group who actually runs combos, and I put that idea forward. But more, more what I'm saying is like I, I would be interested to try to start experimenting with changing how we're playing the game to fit what maximizes fun. Because I know how I have the most fun playing Magic, and I think I have a good idea of how you guys have fun playing Magic, but we can't know for sure unless we talk about it. So I'm, I'm more than happy to open that conversation, but right now, Fastman is the only thing I can think of that I would want banned that affects our playgroup. I think a big thing for me in, in terms of having fun in Magic is the immersion element, and when you're playing, like, just like, Docs are extortionist. Okay, I got a lot of mana now. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's, there's a little bit of, like, flavor there you really extorted huh (laughs) yeah but then it's like you know go back to like mike and trike where it's just like there's no it's just it's just numbers you know a zombie and a robot (laughs) yeah exactly it's just numbers i don't i don't like magic just being a numbers game i like it being a (laughs) tolkien-esque fantasy game with numbers you know like it's um i i want to play like goofy decks and decks with like themes and stuff but it's hard to keep up sometimes when you're not playing these cards. And that when when I can pick a card out in my head and be like, if I don't play this card, I'm just way behind. Uh, I'm going to be like several feet behind the starting line uh, from everyone else I'm playing against. It's like, yeah. man. <laughs> no, that's, that's always uh, been my big thing is like, if it goes in every deck that it can, it's questionable at best, problematic at worst. On a similar note, I, I do want to say, Oak, since we started to, like, try and swing a little lower on power level with some of our decks, uh, I talked about the Mono Green Legends deck earlier this episode. That is rapidly risen through the ranks to be probably my second favorite deck. Yeah, I can imagine why. It's super <laughs> fun. It definitely lives within the element of, like, this Tolkien-esque, like, fantasy-style, like, wizards and monsters and, like, all these big creatures. They all sort of have this mythos about them because they're all legendary and it's super cool. I sort of agree with that. I, I personally think that a lot of that comes down to just, once again, and this is not something that you can do as much when you just roll up to a playgroup, or, you know, just like FNM or whatever. But if you have a playgroup like ours, I think that um, the power level conversation can be a lot more poignant. And like you were saying, Eric, you know, we kind of worked our way from like fours all the way up to like eights. Do And then we were like, ah, we just don't really want to do your best deck versus my best deck versus the over and over again. You know, we've sunk enough money into these and we're like, Oh, what if we just like scaled it back? And I think that scaling back not only leads to more fun sort of play in in, in a certain way, obviously it's fun to play very powerful cards too. But also like you were saying, Chevin Oak scaling it back like that allows you to use some different Mm -hmm. cards in kind of personally for me as like primarily, I think of myself as a deck builder. Um, being able to do that sort of thing is nice just because I have my collection right. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to buy my fifth eternal witness. I'm like, what, what else is there? That's like good, you know, graveyard recursion or like, I don't gosh, I play, I, you know, I don't want to buy, uh, you know, buy or play just another counterspell or just another path to exile. What's like a more synergistic counterspell or removal or whatever Mm -hmm. for whatever commander I'm building around. So that's, I think that's kind of a a self fixing sort of thing, at least for me. But I can understand, once again, people who aren't as entrenched in us, newer people, people who aren't in a playgroup where this is kind of a thing that we can all work through together, it's harder for them. I, I understand that. Did anyone not get to go over what cards they would like to see banned in our playgroup? Or not not just in our playgroup, but what cards they would like to see banned? 
or added or added to or removed from the ban list. Oh. I know that Julian, you highlighted that. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I listen. I think there's a bunch of cards on the ban list that could go. Eric, like you said, sway of the stars. Why is it on there? Things like biorhythm, coalition victory. Um, <laughs> this was. I forget if it was Chev or Eric who was contentious, but I think you can unban the Moxes. They're banned because people just can't get them generally, but it's just like, so you're never going to see them. But if people have them and they want to play, especially if you're in CDH, just let them have it. Like, it's fine. I mean, there's other cards on here that I think could come off. Like, I think probably Sundering Titan and Sylvan Primordial could come off. I know that might be more contentious. Uh, Prophet of Krufix probably also could come off, in my opinion. Do you think Primetime um, can come but- off? I really want Prime to come to come off because is it because oh it's it's because you got the uh, the secret layer didn't you a few things I have <laughs> I have a Tatiova lands deck that I love to death I got the 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 Kaldheim foil Primeval Titan which looks sick as fuck I also think that Prime Time is on the edge the the thing that for me could put it over the edge is once again the thing with lands lands are such like a sacred cow in this format like people are like oh don't freaking blow up my lands this is the format where like the rules committee said they were like we want you to be able to play eight and nine mana spells well how the hell are you going to do that you're going to ramp with your lands i think that's i don't think that should be such a a sacred cow which is why i feel like sundering titan and sylvan primordial are totally fine to come off the list because listen if chev has an you know an urborg and a cabal coffers you can bet your butt that i want to nuke both of those so let me just play one yeah of if those things. are coming off but I'm, um i'm pulling off balance prime time I want balance off. You know, honestly, <laughs> I like I, the the arms race of like, all right, if you're taking, I mean, it's like if they're, you're they're getting on your MO, it's like the without, off. <laughs> without one, the other doesn't make sense. So it's like, okay, we're going to limit the amount of just random lands because, especially, I'm thinking prime time field of dead. You can just get two lands a turn or any of these things that are creatures with ETBs. Since the Eldrazi effects are really bad, but they're cast triggers, you can't flicker them and do nasty things with them. Where all these you could, Sundering Titan and a um, Conjurer's Closet. Every turn, you're just blowing up like so many lands that everyone. You else know has. that the answer is Dead Eye. Yep. Dead Eye Nav, two <laughs> I was mana. That too. Every, yeah. Several so those times. Things a turn. are like I don't like that, and so then the answers that are built to handle those things should come off too. Balance, print more of them. I want all the the reasonable land destruction. I don't think balance was an answer to. Well, Sundering probably not. Well, he, he was saying prime time like, or, or silver balance yeah, as a response to ramping. Well, don't you think that Sundering Titan and Sylvan Primordial are the answer to prime time? Let's just unban Sundering all Titan three. Is, is too heavy. Um, I want other answers to deal with that. What do you mean it's too heavy? Destroy. Choose a land of each Except basic can play type in and any blow deck. Them up. Like, I mean, if you want the colorless Eldrazi to come back, they're gonna come back. <laughs> Chef, you what are you talking about? You have the colorless Eldrazi deck. Also, that will kill a waste, which you're the only one who's going to have. So you'll, what you'll kind have of to person do you thing. think I am? Why would I run waste? Chev runs like three Wait, wastes. Wastes waste don't have a basic land type. They, yeah, also that. So right, so you're well, just inviting whatever. Chev okay, to run whatever. Sundark Titan and Eldrazi is, is basically what's happening here. <laughs> That's fine. I don't I, I don't care. That's fine. Like, if it really becomes a problem, we'll have a chat, but I, I don't Also, Sylvan Primordial is not the answer because that also tutors for a bunch of forests. Which could be any type. That's also what, needs yeah. to die. But once again, this is a, a seven mana card. Seven is not eight or like, nine. You know the rules committee. It's eight or nine. Shut the fuck up. That's the thing with these cards too. Is like I'm like these like cost so much mana, and then everyone always gets mad when I'm just like just counterspell it or just kill it. Like I don't I don't understand why this. Because is... I don't want to dedicate one tenth of my deck to removal just because you're playing stupid shit. Like I want to be able to play fun cards too. I don't want my deck to be built around stopping your sundering titan. 
but it that doesn't you have tutor to, for it, that I feel you like fast if mana you're gonna for, come and... that it came out because you play all your moxes because you know we're proxying them they're not available but they're <laughs> legal so we have all the proxies out we play them i play sundering titan turn five now i need 10 Chef, removal spells you're just making shit up now you're 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 going way too far off that slippery slope like i don't know if you pushed yourself or if like the devil came through and he was just like see ya but like you you are at the bottom of the slippery slope all right i'm gonna be honest I think this is the perfect opportunity to transition into our discussion on Rule Zero and House Rules. I just would like to say, because I did not talk about any cards that I would ban, once again, I don't think that banning generally is the answer, but I'm totally fine with banning Soul Ring. I, I think it was probably a mistake that they just decided to make that a ubiquitous card in the format. Um, even Also, even though I play it, I hate Cyclonic Rift enough, I'm totally fine if that got banned. That's one of those cards where I think it's a combination of unfun, Utilizing the fact that you have all these opponents and also gives you way too perform. Okay, I forget exactly what your your couple things were, but I think it hits like those checks. So I, those two, I'm totally, excuse me, totally good with uh, those getting banned. Should we just ban them then? <laughs> all of us are in agreement. Like, <laughs> let's get to rule zero, baby. Um, so rule zero, the the basis for the commander format is that everything is based on the social contract, and that no matter what. The rules committee has to say whatever your table agrees upon as you go into your games and as you go into play sessions in the future, you should be able to supersede whatever they have to say. If you don't agree with them, you're in charge. It is it is very much like a people's format. Yeah, I mean, it's not a sanctioned format that is having tournaments, right? Like if, if there was if there was a commander tournament, they would play by the rules that the RC and WotC have established. But since we're playing kitchen table magic, there's nothing to, you know, change you from making it as you want. Just like you can play made up formats if you want. Yeah. So I want to just quickly sort of say my piece on it. Um I know that this is something that Chev might bring up later, but I think the key thing about rule zero is being prepared for it. If you aren't prepared, Rule Zero sucks and is terrible and doesn't make any friggin' sense. If you have no cards ready to sub out from your deck that you built within your playgroup and your rules, and you aren't ready to adjust to sort of, like, the default RC rules, you're gonna have a bad time. Because, let's say, you know, we ban, uh... Let's say we ban Cyclonic Rift, we ban Soul Ring, we unban Coalition Victory. I adjust my Ur-Dragon deck, I take out my Soul Ring, I take out my Cyclonic Rift, I put in Coalition Victory, and maybe I throw in another fun card that I've I've been wanting to toss in there. I go out to a store, and I'm like, hey, like I want to sit down and play Magic with you guys. Um, just by the way, would you guys all take out your Cyclonic Rift, take out your Soul Ring, and I'm playing Coalition Victory, is that alright? Everyone at the table could be like, A, no, we're not doing that. B, you can't run that card. If I don't have a card ready to swap in... And if I don't have my Cyclonic Rift and my uh, Soul Ring ready to put back in that deck, that's my fault. And so, as you go into Rule Zero, this is sort of a general statement, but also for us, we should be prepared for the consequences if we go and play with other people of using Rule Zero. And I know this is something that Oak and I talked about in our two-man show, was essentially, Oak has to do this with his playgroup in Boston. It's, it's something about being ready to use it and like going into it informed and prepared. But uh, my playgroup in college had an interesting version of Rule Zero. Uh, everyone gets one ban. Or uh, I think we actually ended up agreeing that everyone gets one ban or unban. Um, you can, between any play sessions, 
communicate your ban and be like, hey, I'm going from nothing banned to I would like to ban uh, Cyclonic Rift. And then everyone before the next play session, it's their job to get Cyclonic Rift out of their decks, get a new card subbed in, and be ready to play. Obviously, if you do this at midnight and like we're playing at like 11 the next morning, you're a dick. People are going to show up with their Cyclonic Rift still in their deck. Uh, <laughs> but in general, the idea is between play sessions, you'll communicate, hey, I felt like Cyclonic Rift was really kind of blowing out a lot of games, deciding a lot of things. It was an Everance deck last time. I think we should cut that. That card's banned in our playgroup now, and then we carry forward. Or you can use your ban on as an unban to take something off of the ban list and talk about essentially, hey, I want to see what it's like to play with this card and play with it. You cannot unban someone else's personal ban. That that is a card that they don't want to see and they are not having fun playing against. You you can't fuck with that. Eric, I think that's a really cool uh, idea for a rule set and maybe something even we should consider in the Hex Drinkers playgroup. But my my problem, even with rules like that, is that you have to come to a unanimous decision for each playgroup, essentially, that you have. Because it can't just be majority. It has to be unanimous. If it was majority, Julian would start every game with one life and, like, four cards in hand and... You know, because we would outvote him every single time. I concur. Yep. I, I I like exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, Jeff, I, I would agree. Fair. But I like seriously, just... this this talking point is inspired by Chev just like saying that every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, Julian has to like die if he gets bitten by Tovar or something. I don't know. So like stuff like that. It has to be unanimous, and that's hard uh, for for people. And gets even harder with bigger playgroups where you sub in and out, and it, it's a different rule set for every group. Um, so. And then, like, what happens if, if someone changes their mind? It's like, is it like an amendment? Like, you all have to suddenly change your mind, like, to get it, re- like, the rule revoked? Or, like, but it's even, like, even like even with your example, Eric, like, what if one day you decide to, like, I don't like the, I don't like the one person bans a card each thing rule. It's like, well, now the rest of your playgroup also has to agree with you to revoke that, right? Uh, even though, like... Even though you get each in in your current state, you get to each individually choose one card to ban. That's what you've agreed on. But to revoke that rule for what you should ban would be to would take. I think there's also like a, a, a couple huge things are one is the unbanning is inherently more problematic than the banning, right? Like in your one play group, you say no more Cyclonic Rift. So you don't run Cyclonic Rift. And then you end up in a play group that does. And I think with everyone having like one card banned, okay, with the variance of Commander and all that, it's probably going to be unlikely, but uh, that you would have drawn it had it not been banned or something like that. But your deck is inherently legal in every other format. It's just adding more bans to an existing list. So your deck is always legal no matter what you do and where you go. You just have to expect to see that other thing there. So a lot of this comes down to communication and understanding that each play group is going to be unique and kind of goes to what Eric said. Like, yeah, if you go to your local game store and you're like flabbergasted by someone playing removal, because in your play group, you decided uh, murder is bad uh, due to believing in, you know, X, Y, and Z, then yeah, that's your own fault. But your deck is not inherently illegal for choosing that as kind of your path. So understanding that like other people might not play this way when you swap groups. Like if I take out soul ring and I go and play in a, a random group tomorrow, would not care at all. Understanding that other people are going to play Soul Ring. And yeah, so to kind of wrap up that point, it's just the 
I don't think Rule Zero can be relied on, and it should not be an integral part of any format's r rule set. <laughs> uh, which, it's, it sort of is, as a joke. Well, like, half as a joke in, in Magic as a whole, but, um, it just... There's gotta be more... There's gotta be more than that. It, it'll never work just with Rule Zero. I like the concept of Rule Zero, um, but I think it's it's used as a crutch too heavily. Like, there's there's too many situations where the answer is, well, hey, you know, you can do this with your playgroup, and it almost makes it seem like the, the idea is you're playing Commander with one group because you're the only ones who know that this format exists. When it's kind of like the, the secret that no one knew they should keep, and it's what the most people play out of any Magic format in the world now. So using Rule Zero as like a way for your kitchen table to remain your kitchen table is just kind of obsolete. Even I think that some of it might fall in the stigma of, you know, I, I think that if you asked the rules committee, what's the average number of playgroups you think a commander player is in? You know, I, I think they might say like 1.2. And I think it's, I think it's closer to like two or three or, or even just like, how many unique pods in a year does the average commander player play in? I, I think that a lot of people would guess low. We, we mentioned this earlier. Magic is inherently sort of a nerdy hobby. Uh, it is something that attracts people who, you know, maybe aren't the most socially outgoing. And so I think a lot of people default to it's a safe assumption that, you know, maybe these people aren't like going out and finding new playgroups all the time. Except I think, Nerdiness is becoming incredibly mainstream, and people are playing a lot more Magic. People are playing more Dungeons and Dragons. Like this is something where card shops are popping up in, you know, small towns. Even there's a lot more room for people to go out and find new people to play with, and so Rule Zero becomes harder and harder to lean on as you branch out into those scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that statement. I agree that it becomes harder. Once you branch out, and it's which hard is kind enough of why, as is even with one, which is kind of why the almost bringing it full circle, kind of why the ban list exists, just because like even if you know, even if you walk in and you meet these, I don't know, say everyone speaks a different language or whatever, or you know, or just you and your playgroup can't agree on any specific like tweaks to the rule set. There's this baseline that you can go with. We've stated multiple times that we think the baseline is wrong, but that there should be a baseline. Yes. <laughs> Which is why wizards should hire us to be the official Watsi entity for commander. And sorry, RC, but ban list will change every week. <laughs> I don't think it'll change every week. Oh, uh, Julian we'll, hijacked we'll like... the Twitter again. <laughs> he banned three things while he was drunk. <laughs> no, Julian just unbanned the entire ban list. <laughs> I'm like, every, yeah, every, everything except for channel chaos orb and Charizard are, uh, <laughs> unbanned. <laughs> Go wild. Oh, and Caracas. Caracas can stay banned. Uh, the fact that you don't have Fastbound on that list is dumb as hell. <laughs> I didn't see... F okay, I was just looking at a glance. I also should ban Falling Star. All these... Once again, all these stupid cards that are like, this isn't magic. Like, Chaos Orb, are you kidding me? These, yeah, these should be banned. Yeah. Yeah, Falling Orb, exactly. Chaos Star, Caracas, Lutri, and the Power Nine are cards that I think, no matter what, should always be banned. See, I disagree. I think I know you don't think the power nine should think, be on there. No one cares. <laughs> no, no. I think the I think the I think the Moxon should be unbanned. I clearly think that time. Yeah, but Sol Ring, Silver Ring, that should be banned, right? 
Because <laughs> they're so way I think different. I do I do think Soul Ring should be I do think Soul Ring should be banned. <laughs> I'm so confused to how Soul Ring the, is the better than difference the, is the same. Is zero to one is the same as one to two. <laughs> yeah, but everyone but can get a Soul color. Ring. Everyone so, can get worse. so. All right. So only the nope, rich nope, can play Soul I'm Ring. I'm about to get into an actual just political <laughs> argument with Julian, and it's not happening live on the podcast. <laughs> no. Also, also you can only play the mocks. Yeah, the mocks you can only play in certain decks. Soul Ring you can play in every deck. I'm nope. <laughs> I also don't think that Lutri should be banned. Do you want to fight about that? Yeah. Uh, yes, I will I'll, fight about I that. Fight about it's that. not going to get into an argument about capitalism. Uh, <laughs> this isn't an argument Wait. about capitalism. It's an argument about a, that, a, a children's game. That, that's 101st card in any deck with red and blue. Cards. You are just yeah, increasing just like, deck consistency. Yeah, yeah. All you were doing is saying you're allowed to run 99 cards. That is the definition of a card that goes in every deck. I just don't think it's good enough to really matter. You, you, Soul Ring is better than this card. Soul Ring's better than a lot of cards. <laughs> I don't know if that's a baseline. Soul Ring is better than most cards. Let's, let's... Anyway. Anyway. I'm warm. That was almost a an episode of Hot Takes, some might say. Oh, yeah, almost. Oh, boy, listen. When Hot Takes Part 2 comes around, I'm gonna... I'm, I, I've been taking notes. Hot Takes come to... Hot Take 2 comes around. I'm gonna start just fucking dropping... Dropping mortars all over the place. <laughs> If y'all listening, yeah, that's right. You, right there, in the sweatshirt, sitting on your couch eating Cheetos. You filthy bastard, you. Um, yeah, if you want to drop some bombshells, uh, you should hit us up on Twitter because I'd be happy to argue with you and tell you that you're wrong about all your positions on, on the ban list. Or tell you that you're right if you actually agree with me. That'd be sick. Uh, but you should definitely go over to Twitter and you should look up Hex Drinkers. Hit us up. Hit us up on Instagram. That's our other social media outlet. We're pretty popular on Instagram, actually. I think we might be, like, becoming almost an influencer. Pretty, uh, pretty spicy. <laughs> Hex Drinkers on Instagram. Um, if you have a lot of thoughts and you really need to just write them all down with pictures and diagrams and links and such, you can even send us an email. Hexdrinkers at gmail.com. That's the spot. Oh, boy. We love, we love receiving emails. Listen, I'll tell you right now. If we get an email from somebody, it will go on the pod. We will read the whole thing on the pod. <laughs> you can be anonymous or you can have your name read. Depends on how much infamy you want, but... Oh boy, we love some freaking emails. Um, but if you don't want to interact with us, you just want to consume our content, there's a bunch of other places you can go. Obviously, you're listening to this podcast already. Uh, maybe on anchor.fm, love those guys. Uh, maybe on Spotify, maybe on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you're not on any of those platforms, you can find it there. You can also find it on our website, hexdrinkers.com. Um, hexdrinkers.com is your go to source for literally everything that we do. That's why we named it after us. Uh, you know, it's got our articles. Got videos, got the podcast, got all sorts of stuff. Um, and you can also go to, of course, Twitch and YouTube at Hex Drinkers. Check us out. See our, uh, our video content at the source or in live form. If you really love what we're doing, you really, really just want to hear us yell more about why Lutri shouldn't be banned, um, you can go on over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Hex Drinkers. Uh, toss a coin to your witchers. Uh, support us for as little as one dollar a show, and there's a bunch of benefits. Obviously, we're not we're not we're not we're not just gonna milk you for your for your money like the greedy capitalists that we are. Um, you know, you'll, you'll get some bang for your buck. So obviously, access to this podcast a whole week early, uh, the full uncut version. We're currently at one hour and thirty seven minutes. So whatever time you are at now, just know that you're missing out on a good chunk of this. Um, you're missing as me well misidentifying as cards, just saying many wrong names of cards. Uh, Time where I uh, say, um, uh, you know, that one, guys, help me out here. Stuff like that. 
yeah, all that all that good stuff. Um, occasionally, if we say things that's a little edgy or maybe we swear just a bit too often, that stuff will get cut. So you, you can see that as well as, of course, all of our notes for all the podcasts. So if you want to see things in a more uh, coherent written out form um, or follow along, I don't know, maybe that's your thing. Uh, you can go run over to Patreon and uh, support us there. Well, boys, it's always fun to talk the ban list and general magic philosophy with you guys, especially when it's about our favorite form of EDH. But uh, I think we've been at our, our throats for enough. Um, I need a glass of water. So uh, let's wrap this up for Oak, Eric, Chev. I'm Jules. We are the Hex Drinkers, and we are signing out. Thank you.